In our culture, everything is based on success. But what is success and who to find it? That's the big question. Is it measurable? Can you obtain it? Can you dream it? Can you hold it? I'm on a quest to redefine how we view success, and I'd like to bring you on this journey. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. It's the real stories behind success. My name is Tony Grubmeyer. This is episode number 37. Today's guest, Matthew, is joining us from San Juan, Puerto Rico, and he leads the strategy and innovation efforts at Connective, conceiving products and strategic solutions for his clients, strategic challenges, delivering products to his clients that are constantly evolving. The purpose of this evolution is to bring the most dynamic product and services to market, providing all the tools necessary for his clients to manage their businesses with the highest level of success and profitability. Now, cool part about Matthew, we got a chance to know each other over the past, let's say, five years. And the one of the cool things that I've always learned, besides his amazing beard, smoking cigars and having a good time, is his real love for really overcoming obstacles that business owners face. Now, I've been referring business to Matthew. I've been seeing what he's been able to do with these businesses and how he's been able to really help them see past where they're at and build a platform and a solution to help you really grow. Now, we're talking specifically around CRMs. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about just being an awesome guy and how to really help people to win. Please welcome to Be Fulfilled today's guest, Matthew Maratano. And I know I probably mess up your name more than anybody, but please forgive me, my friend. But nonetheless, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Tony. It's Matthew Martorano. You got it. Thank you. You're close. I'm very close. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for having me today. I appreciate it. Oh my gosh, this is awesome. So, Having a good friend like you in the back pocket, somebody I get to call when I have a new opportunity for you to take a look at, or I have a guest or somebody that needs your services, you always rise to the occasion and say, hey, let me help you. We're going to talk about that. But I want to ask the first question because it's going to set the tone and the pace to really help us today to have a great interview. Question out the gate is, what is your definition of success? Oh, boy. My definition of success is it's actually really easy. Being able to come up with a concept, take that concept from whiteboard to boardroom, right? Being able to put all the pieces together to bring a product, I hate to sound like a GE commercial, but bring a product to life. And once bringing that product to life, figuring out how to take it to market, who the competitors are, and then once starting a business and getting some sales coming in, you know, success for me is building a company where employees enjoy coming into work every day right? They feel like they're a part of the team. We're providing a steady and great income for them. We're creating new jobs. Success for me is not necessarily about the money. You know, the money is great. It comes if you are successful. But for me, it's, you know, finding out what that pinnacle is, what that challenge is, who those competitors are, and being able to take a piece of that market share and building a brand of your own that's recognizable across multiple industries. I like that. It's more about the conquest than it is about the money. You know? Yeah. I mean, you need money like you need air to survive, right? We figured that stuff out. However, what I've always enjoyed is these kinds of conversations. Every guest that I brought through has something around kind of fulfillment, right? You're fulfilling a need, you're fulfilling yours, but you also help people on their journey. And we're going to talk about that. But what I'd love to do is kind of figure out a little bit about where you're from, 
and kind of your early life, right? So I'm looking your teenage high school years and then where did the bug and love for becoming an entrepreneur and deciding to run your own business come from? So those are some of the things we're going to talk about today as we kind of stair step up Success Mountain. I'm going to leave you at the top for a moment during a cliffhanger and we'll take a quick break. And when we come back from that break, I'm going to flip roles with you. Instead of being the Sherpa up the hill, you're going to become the Sherpa down the hill. And you're going to guide us through kind of some living principles that you've discovered for yourself, the things that work, how your service and software is helping entrepreneurs kind of win at the game of making sure everything's taken care of like a done for you kind of business. And we're just going to really grow together through this process. And at the very end, I'm going to ask you your definition of success again. And if you're ready to play, I'm ready to take the first step with you and kind of learn a little bit about where you came from. Sure. Well, so that's the question, where I came from. I grew up in Chicago. Uh, We had a family of four. I was the oldest son, the second born. And ever since we were kids, you know, we were instilled a work ethic right? I was the kid that was out there mowing the lawn, even though I hated it or sweeping the garage. And then at 12, you know, I had the paper route lugging around the Chicago Tribune to, you know, hundreds of houses in our neighborhood. It was like horrible. My parents woke me up every morning at 6 a.m. Come on, you got to stuff the papers. And, you know, that was the kind of the work ethic that was instilled. And, you know, ever since I was 12, I always had a job doing something. When I was 17, I started an exterior house painting company, Tony. And it was funny about that is I always pretended to be like the foreman. So whenever I'd go and quote a job, because, you know, these homeowners, they didn't want to entrust their home to a, you know, 16, 17 year old kid. So I would say, well, I'm going to take the measurements. I'm going to bring it back to my boss and I'll provide you with a quote. So I kind of had to play a little bit to win business in that particular industry. And that was great because we were able to, you know, I had friends that were working with me. We were painting houses during the summer. It was a great time. You know, we were making a lot of money and it was fantastic. I wasn't a great student in high school. You know, my father used to say, just see your way through high school, right? Just get C's and get out because I I just wasn't interested. I have, you know, ADD like most entrepreneurs have. And, And then I went off to school. I went to school for two years. I dropped out of school to join the army and I was in the army for almost five years. I had the fortunate benefit of working with a special operations unit out of Germany. That was like the most fun I ever had in my life. And I miss it every day, still keeping contact with a lot of guys. And this is back in the early 90s that I served with. And then when I left the service, my dad said, now what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. What should I do? He said, learn how to sell. So I went and I learned how to sell health insurance and life insurance to small business owners. And I think for any entrepreneur, you know, people come up with these great concepts, these great ideas. If you do not have a good sales team or a good sales background, it's going to be difficult to break into different markets. Unless you have a product that's so unique and everyone needs it, if you don't have a strong sales background or a good salesperson, it's really going to be difficult to grow and scale your company. From there, I worked in the credit card industry and we, my uncle Ron and I, back in 1998, invented the first credit card rewards programs. And we were selling those to banks and credit unions across the US for years and years and years. The other side of our business was a membership club business. And I'm sure everyone remembers membership clubs. Anyone who's been in this business, anytime you would order a product off TV or whatever it was, that was the primary upsell. They'd sell you into a discount shopping service or a discount home service or a discount auto service or health services, whatever it might be. Most of those products were sourced through that company. And I was seeing how much money these people were making. So back in 2002, I said, you know what? I'm going to start inventing my own products, selling them so I can sell membership clubs. And so I started doing that and it was successful. So I opened up my own call center. In Chicago, I had a 150 seat call center. I had a hundred seats for sales. I had 50 seats for customer service. We were doing our own product fulfillment. And when you know, I started this company, it was great. We we're taking paper orders, if you can imagine this, Tony. And I hired a developer and I said, hey, I need you to build me a system that ties my entire enterprise together, fulfillment, 
order entry, customer service. And then I was selling products through print, through radio, and then eventually affiliate advertising. And we grew that company. It was nice. Ended up selling it back in 2007, 2008, somewhere around there. And then I retained the software and I turned it into what is connective right now. Yeah, that's pretty much the background, Tony. You know, it, it's there's so many nuggets that you just supplied, right? You know, I'm like, what step do I want to take today? Because if I listen, I'm like the Army, Germany, five years of service. First off, thank you very much for that. That means a lot. That was my pleasure. You know, we don't really salute and say thank you, but that means a lot because I think in there are probably some good life lessons. You also talked about kind of being a foreman and kind of running this business and needing to learn sales at an early age to go and say, hey, yeah, I'll get that quoted. I'm going to talk to the boss and then I'll come back and I'll give you a good number. So like early on, figuring out how to run the sales process, then also getting to a place where you're like, I want to create the membership, the back-end services, and then opening a call center and you know, I'm sitting here with my thinking it's a pen that I'm going to use today to describe Matthew. And then I'm like, maybe it's a Swiss army knife. What tool do I need to open to unlock this door where I need to learn more? And so I'm kind of going to grab the Swiss army knife and use that today to whittle some stuff with you. Let's talk a little bit about the early lessons of running a business, 17, needing to kind of be your own boss, getting your friends on board, kind of getting people to buy into your vision at an early age. What did that kind of seem like for you as an opportunity at an early age? Well, you know, when you're young, you have no idea what failure feels like, right? Because we're invincible, and which is why so many young guys join the military because they feel like they're invincible, right? Just like any other kid, I felt like I could conquer the world and we were going out there. And the moment I got our first contract for house painting, you know, the friend part was easy because it's money when you're making that kind of money as a kid. I mean, everyone else at the back then in the 80s, they were making what, 475 to five and a quarter an hour was minimum wage. Not a lot. <laughs> it's embarrassing yeah. to say, right? You're paying less than a dollar a tank of gas or for a gallon of gas. But, you know, we were pulling in $1,500 a week each and it was great money. We had jobs lined up like crazy. We were asking for referrals. It was just, I figured it out at an early age. Hey, if you can talk to your friends, you know, put us, can I put a sign in the front of your yard so people can see the work that we're doing? We just, we were busy with exterior house painting all summer long. And what that taught me, by the way, was if you're going to be at the job and you're going to get the job done on time, because there are distinct timelines. If someone said, hey, I need this done in two weeks, you had to make sure your crew was there at 7 a.m. You had the, you know, the paint, you had the ladders, you had the drop claws, you had everything that you needed <laughs> to get these jobs done. So just being able to, you know, in my mind, organize these things. We didn't have Excel. We didn't have all these great things. We had a notebook and a pencil. And that's really how you organize schedules, right? But it was kind of interesting. I didn't even realize a lot of those life lessons that I learned back then about in contrast, in comparison to what we're doing now. It's just, it was interesting. You just kind of figure it out, out as you go along. Yeah. And then you sign up and go into the military. And I'm sure that there's some valuable lessons that you mentioned about some people that you're still in contact with today about building relationships, right? You spent time with these people. Talk to me a little bit about being stationed in Germany and some of the things that you learned from that process. Yeah. So I went to Fort Benning, Georgia to infantry training school. You know, that's where we went for basic and AIT, advanced infantry training. And then directly from AIT, I went into jump school. So I was a paratrooper. And then while I was waiting for my next duty assignment, we had a group of high-ranking individuals that came over that were strapping highly pressed, polished boots, good-looking dudes, and looked like complete badasses. Excuse the language on your podcast. And they said, hey, we're looking for, you know, 10 guys to come join a long-range reconnaissance, long-range surveillance unit in Germany. And it was an airborne unit. So I was like, yeah, Germany sounds kick-ass. Let's go. I hear they have good beer. So went over there. It was an incredible unit. When you're, you know, in a military, a group like that, where you're operating in six-man teams, it's like a brotherhood. 
you become as close to these guys as you do your own family because, you know, you're ready to live or die for them. You're ready to, you know, give your life to save them or, you know, take someone's life to, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. So you become as close as brothers. And there's a lot of guys still that I keep in contact with. And it's great to catch up. It's almost like, you know, the pause play button. It's, you know, I haven't seen these guys in 20 years, but when we get together, it's like not a single moment has passed. Yeah. You know, I get that also like that bright, shiny boots, that whole kind of concept. And then the Rangers and then all the stuff that you get to do from there. And then that's why I said building relationships, because I think, you know, I had still today, I've I've been able to reflect back on my life and I'm like, relationships are the things that help me most in my business. You and I've talked a lot, like the pictures on my wall for anybody who knows my office, I put pictures of people that I've interviewed. So after this, Matthew and I will take a photo and I'll put you up on my wall. So when I walk into my office, I'm reminded of what I get to do today and how I get to show up to the world, right? It's just an opportunity. So I'm, I'm listening for you and kind of where we're going. And, you know, then you come out of the military and you're like, all right, cool. So now I'm going to go sell some insurance. I'm going to go do whatever I need to. And then all of a sudden it lands you at a call center. Then it takes you from getting faxes. I can just, I totally went back to the mid nineties when you got fax paper coming in for orders and you're like, now what do I do with this stuff? And you're like, I don't want to enter this every single day into a computer. I need to build a piece of software and quickly create something. So you hired, did you hire some offsite designers, people that were good with programming, or did you bring in and start building a team in the office? I brought a team in that was both good at telephony. Obviously, with a big call center, you need that. But you also needed, I needed a good program developer to create an interface for order entry, for customer service, for fulfillment management, for quality assurance. It was interesting. One of the things I didn't mention, though, Tony, so, you know, when I was in the military, I got married. I had a kid. I was a dad at 20. So I was a kid raising a kid. (laughs) And then when I was getting out of the military, I had another one on the way. And, you know, I think that puts a little added pressure on an individual to, you know, So you were married at 20? You were married at 20 and had a kid at 20. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, it's not just your mouth you have to feed. You're looking at, you know, three other individuals that are depending on you. And I think it's a little bit different than when you're single in your 20s, rolling out to bars, having a great time with your buddies. You know, you're at home, you're thinking about, you know, when's the next dollar coming in? How can I chase it? How can I get a house for my family? And it's just an interesting dynamic when you're that young. Yeah. And then 07, 08, you know, yeah, you've been out of the military for a while, a lot of life experience. 07, 08, you run this company, you've got this big call center, fulfillment center, you got software, you've been able to transition from paper into digital, you got some amazing things going. What brought you to want to sell? Price, timing, the industry? Actually, so at the time, and I don't know if you remember this, but there was a product out there called Enzyte and the commercial was Smiling Bob. Yes, exactly. Smiling Bob. And we weren't as big as Ensight, but we had a male libido product that was, it was the first all natural male libido product delivered on a Listerine breath strip called Intimax. And we had four radio spots that I voiced over myself and I ran them on remnant radio all across the US and we would literally blow the phones off the wall. We were running 21 day and 30 day trials for the product. And, you know, we couldn't keep the stuff in stock. It was just flying off the shelves. And then what we came to find out was, you know, when you start digging into your data, we're finding out that 70% of the people ordering were women ordering for their men. Yep. So we started coming up with cross-sells for those types of individuals. So again, Swiss Army Knife, you just have to adapt, adjust, and come up with uh, exposing new verticals. And that's, I think when we first met and we started talking on the phone, I was like, oh, that's so interesting that you had that product. And I'm like, I started back in 98, 97 with a male enhancement type product, but it was liquid and it was a pill. And that company that still sells that product today is still around. And that's why it's so funny when we get networked together, you're like, we may have been like at a bar so close to each other. We didn't know it. (laughs) 
and how awesome it is that, you know, you talked a little bit about competition in the very beginning, just Mm -hmm. about like, you know, there's competition all around us and everybody has different philosophies around competition. What are your thoughts on competition? Knowing even in 07, 08, when you're running a business, you know, there was Smiling Bob and then here's another product that's different because the delivery system's different, but it's the same goal concept. Yes, exactly. And to go back to answer your question of why I sold, so the CEO of Enzyde ended up going to prison. And I was like, okay, this is this might be on the radar screen of some federal agency. I should probably sell this product quickly and move on to something else. So that's why I got out of it. But when you talk about competition, I think it's healthy. I think you know competitors that are honest competitors and compete for business, it's great. When you have competitors that are willing to stoop to devious and, and dirty levels, try to win business, uh, you know, that there's no room for those people. And I think they'll quickly go away. But I love competition and being able to figure out how you're going to chisel your piece of the market share is always interesting and fun. And I'll give you an example. When I came into, into the marketplace with Connective, there were three primary competitors, three of them. One of them, they said, is the Goliath. You'll never beat them. We're now twice their size. The two others, they're like, yeah, and you won't be able to compete with these guys. I made another one irrelevant. And the other one, I put them out of business and they've now sent all of their clients to Connective. Yeah. So you were able to cut out a little piece and then, oh, let me chew on this piece. And then you realized you had the bigger piece of the bone. And you left, left some pieces go. No, and, and we're going to talk about Connected because that's how you and I really truly did get Connected is learning about it, a piece of software. I want to talk being a father. I want to talk about like seeing your kids work the business with you, being involved, being married. Life and business moves pretty fast, especially in the industry we're in. We see so many things come and go. How have you been able to kind of manage this you have a persona. I mean, you walk into a room, you're a hard man not to spot. Like you walk into a room, you got a fine ass beard, you're a well-spoken, well-dressed individual, but this industry's tough, man. It eats people up and spits them out. And I love what you just said. You have morals. And I think you have good, I think you have good energy around you. And I think I'm going to answer my own question, but I want you to also give me some feedback. What's this industry been like for you coming back around now, sometime removed from it, from day-to-day ops to now running a company as basically the focal person, right? You are, you're the face of Connective. Well, that is a scary thought since I have a face for radio, but (laughs) I appreciate you saying that, Tony. For me, it's about relationships. And if, can I take a second and go back to what your original question was about raising a family and keeping that, the separation between that and business. So back in my career, when I was working with the financial institutions, and then I had another, you know, the call center company, the product company, you know, I was juggling a lot of things at that time. And I always made sure, you know, my boys played competitive hockey when they were young, baseball, you know, lacrosse. I always made sure that I was home on the weekends to go to their games because I knew if I didn't, you know, there could be resentment. I didn't want them to ever resent me. So growing up with my kids, it was fantastic. And now, you know, uh, Tyler and Jacob are my oldest. Tyler is going to be 26 in June. Jacob is just turned 22 and they're my best friends. And they actually work for the company. I, I'm proud to say that we have a family company. My wife runs operations. My boys are in account services, managing clients on a day-to-day basis. My youngest daughter, Daly, who's 15, going to be 16 this year. She comes in during the summertime and she helps Katie to do bookkeeping. So she's learning that. She's seeing the business. You know, And I do have to give a lot of credit to my father, who was a serial entrepreneur. I've watched him start and fail businesses his entire life. And then the credit card and membership company that I mentioned, that was his company where I served as uh, his vice president of sales. I love it. I mean, 
I forgot about the component too, the family and your father and everything. So there is a lot surrounding you. I love the fact that your wife's involved too in the day to day. Like I love the fact that you brought your kids into this. I mean, this is, you know, there's those types of businesses that some people build just to make some money. And then there's some legacy businesses that you build so your family can carry on. What's it like working? You said they're your best friends, but what's it like showing up and hanging out with your boys all day? So it's fantastic. You know, they both work remotely. Tyler just finished his, he got his business degree in Chicago and Jacob's at that business school now. So they're both living in Chicago, but we interface, you know, obviously being a virtual world, you could really work from anywhere, but they, you know, they know they have to work harder than anyone else on the team because, you know, they have an expectation. They can't be the, oh, you're just working here because your daddy owns the company. That just doesn't fly. I didn't fly when I worked for my dad. I always had to be the number one sales guy. No one ever questioned why I was there. And, you know, they have the same expectation. I think, you know, one of the things that I'm learning today, Matthew, is this process of kind of unpacking your experience, your family, like this empowerment piece around you. You talked about community connection. We're talking today, like as the audience is listening, listen for consistency. I think that's like a really important word. When you talk to somebody who's successful, they'll show you that they're first to fail and they're first to get up and then they're going to keep trying and they're not giving up. And Matt, is Matt, this whole lesson today that I'm learning from you is from when early on, you're figuring it out. And you said to yourself, oh good, there's already some other people that have amazing software in the industry. What can I learn? How can I figure out how to be better than them? And there's this military mindset, I believe, that comes into, that comes into play a little bit. Talks about we know how to stay consistent. We're not going to give up. We're going to stay our course. And so when we come back today from the show, we're going to switch gears a little bit. And we're going to be talking to Matthew about all of the stuff that he's been able to learn that now has taken him from a piece of software back in 2007, 2008, now transitioned into a full-time, what is connective? How does connective work? We're going to be talking about that and so much more. And I'm going to do my best not to screw up his name because I'm sitting here going, I can't, I can't, I can't. So I'm going to break it into three, but it's go. We're going to be back today with connective owner, Matthew Martorano. And if I mess that up, please, I just don't shoot me. I know that you're good with a gun and we'll be right back on the Beef with Bill Show. Are you suffering from marketing dysfunction? Are you not able to perform online as well as you could when you were younger? Unable to keep up with the intimate demands of buying product, running offers, and shipping items to your customers? Say hello to Ship Offers, clinically proven to enhance the growth and longevity of your business. Get some today at shipoffers.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back on the Be Fulfilled Show. My name is Tony Grubmeyer. Today's special guest coming to us from San Juan, Puerto Rico. I had a chance to meet Matthew Martorano five years ago when he was kind of getting ready to bring Connective to the world and go up against other CRMs. And we're going to talk a little about what a CRM is for somebody who's like, okay, they're talking about a piece of software. What does it do? I want to learn more about it. We're going to give you all that and so much more. The one thing that I promised Matt is I'm going to try to do a lot of the selling of the product only in one reason, because he's humbled and all he wants to do is just show you, hey man, hard work pays off. Let me tell you about a piece of software we launched and then how we affect change in people's lives. Because you also said something right before we went to break, how your family family works remote and how we live in this digital age where more people can work remote. Tell me a little bit about what it's like building a business where you have the flexibility and freedom to live in Puerto Rico, Atlanta, wherever you want to be. What are some things that you've learned from being able to live remote? Well, you know, to own a business, you really have to be in it every single day. If you have a role in a company that is specific and defined, you can really do that from anywhere as long as you have the work ethic to get up in the morning, know that you have to log in, you know, and start your job. 
But for me, I'm back and forth. We have our uh, development office in Roswell, Georgia, just north of Atlanta. So I'm back and forth between Puerto Rico and Roswell. My wife runs the office up here while I'm building the office down there. It's pretty cool, Tony. So we, we just bought an iconic surf shop three blocks from my house in Puerto Rico, and we're building it out to be our corporate headquarters. So I'm pretty stoked about that. You know, it's just for virtual employees, it's pretty simple. If you're not, you know, even for developers, but you have to have oversight into what their, you know, day-to-day activities are. And so there are other softwares other than Connective that, frankly, we use to manage that, like Jira for project management within our developers. We use Skype a lot. So whenever we sign up a new client, we assign a dedicated account manager to that group. And I put all the stakeholders into a Skype group. And I put myself in that group for the first 90 days, just so I have oversight to make sure that everything's going smooth. You know, we have about 700 clients. And I'm happy to say that I know most of them personally, which is tough to do. And any of them know that if there's ever a problem, they can pick up the phone and get a hold of me anytime. Yeah, man. That's how you you build a business like I do. You got to be in front of your friends. You got to be in front of your customers and your clients. And you got to make sure that, hey, call me, text me 24-7. You got my line. This isn't something I hide. It's something I give. I'm not allowing this company to crumble. I'm allowing this company to be humble and to learn there's an opportunity right around every corner to get better. What are some fun lessons you've learned about running Connective that have been like highlights for you versus the companies in the past? Oh, man. So let me, can I start at the beginning? So when we launched Connective, it was not that great. The developer that we had that was with me in the call center, you know, as he started building more and more, we realized that he had some limitations in his skills. So version one really went down in flames. But what we did learn, the reason I didn't quit is even though it wasn't that great in comparison to the others that we're competing with, we were still signing clients up. So when that thing failed, we went back to the drawing board and I went, so I let go that old CTO and I brought in a new senior developer and I said, look, we're going to, and it was just he and I, I have this 6,000 square foot office here in Georgia and it was just he and I in his office. It was hilarious. I said, look, I'm going to get you a blow up mattress. I'm going to get you shampoo and everything you need because we had a shower in the office. I'm going to buy every meal. We are going to live in this office for the next six months until we come up with a product that we're happy about. So we did that in June of 2015, I want to say. Yeah, June of 2015, we launched version two of Connective and it was about 80% of the way done, but it was beautiful and it worked and it was fast and it was At that time, it was even better than a lot of the things that were out there. And then we started hitting the market and we started bringing on 10, 25, 50, 100 clients. And we realized that we really had the tiger by the tail, right? And so we just kept developing. And one of the things that I really like to do, as I mentioned, I know all of our clients, is I took the best and the brightest and I put them into Skype groups. And every couple of months, I'd say, okay, guys, we have a, a slot in development. What do you need for your business? And they would give me feedback and then we'd put it on the project board and we build it. And that's really how we built the company. I'd like to think that I've innovated and thought of all of these fantastic little ideas and nuances in the system, but a lot of it came from client feedback. And if you're willing to listen to your clients, they'll tell you, you know, what you need to be successful. It's kind of interesting. Well, it's kind of like back in the army and the relationships, right? You're building strong relationships and you're being vulnerable enough to grow. And so they're willing to share. Yeah, absolutely. And then proud to say that last August, we launched version three of Connective, which is a whole new interface and and UI design. And it's fantastic. We have web apps for it now. I'm sorry, phone apps. It's just really easy to use. Navigation is simple. And we're just about to launch our first funnel platform where clients come in and design. Oh yeah, this is fantastic. So right now, you know, people that want to 
get into online advertising, online marketing, direct to consumer, you know, in the past, they had to go to a designer and then to a developer to hook that up to your system, whether it be through your web forms or to your API. Now, a client will be able to go in. It doesn't matter if they're designing a VSL. It doesn't matter if they're designing a, a landing page, a pre-lander, emails, even full Shopify type stores. They can go directly into Connective, launch Funnel Connect, and they can build with easy drag and drop technology everything within the system. And it's completely hooked into Connective for all your transaction fulfillment, all the processing that goes on in the back end. Wow. There's other products that are, that are funnel builders out there. Tell me what separates your kind of product from everybody else. I know that I, I'm putting you on the spot, but I know that you've got a good answer. <laughs> okay. So number one, it's ease of use and the technology behind the funnel building system. It's by far from all the research that we've done, the easiest system to use in the marketplace. The thing that really separates us apart from us and the other folks out there that have funnel building systems or even e-commerce store building systems is the power of the CRM, the ability to manage continuity payments, the ability to alter billing schedules. I'll give you an example. I had a client, he's like, okay, I want to, my first product, I'm going to sell it for introductory offer for $39.95 for the first 30 days. 30 days later, I'm going to bill $89.95, but I'm going to bill $89.95 every single month. But every three months, I'm going to send out a fulfillment package with a 90-day supply. I said, yeah, we can do that. Any type of billing rules and business rules that you have, it's in connective with all of the attribution of sales, with affiliate tracking. We have over 60 fulfillment companies across the US and internationally that we're integrated to. We have over 150 different gateways that we're integrated to. We have over 300 integrations within the system. So if someone wants to use, not to promote other companies, but like AWeb or GetResponse, any of the email service providers and intelligently route their data from connective for follow-up sequences, we have all of those integrations. Call centers, Connective becomes the entire back office where you can manage customer service, you can manage quality assurance, you can manage your SKUs, you can manage your campaign structure, you can manage everything within our system. Yeah, so take you back for a moment to faxes, right? Faxes come <laughs> with a piece of paper and you're like, now what do I need to do with it? Isn't it interesting when you look back at it, you're like, wow, I went from a piece of paper to this complete flow integration call center connection where you know, you're integrated worldwide. You have people plugging in data. It's available on your phone. Like You have all of this stuff. And then you're like, oh yeah, we're just going to release another product. It's, it's cool. We're going to start building funnels. And because it's all connected right? As in the back end, it's like mm -hmm. seamless. So like, what else are you working on, right? Like I'm asking because I know you're a visionary. So like, what else is in the works that's coming down the pipe that is another thing that you just get to plug into the ecosystem that you went with that guy for six months, slept on a mattress, blow up. We're not breaking. We're not leaving. We're going to figure this out. So you, you laid down the fundamentals and the foundation. And then from there, everything has been evolving. And yeah, you don't even have to talk about your competition because it really, I don't look like there is any. Right. It's so like at a different level, you're just like, hey, I'm just doing my own thing and I'm plugging into all these amazing apps and everything that people are asking for because I'm sequencing them in Skype. I'm giving them first blood. I'm telling them like, hey, this is what we're doing. What do you want? How can we help you build a better system? And then you're coming up with people who have billing questions and ideas and you're like, cool, back to the piece of paper. I want to find a system that works. How do I do that? And so I just want to know what else is on the horizon. We're actually working on marketing automation where you can create a, on a linear timeline, how you're intelligently communicating with your potential customer. So let's say you start with an email, Tony, and that email goes to this pre-lander. This pre-lander goes to this landing page, then to this checkout page. If they say yes to the checkout page, they go to this upsell page. If they say no, they go to this downsell page. And based on their answers, the system will allow you to deliver a specific marketing message or campaign to those customer profiles. 
whether it's a partial or a buyer, or did they buy upsell one? Did they buy upsell two? You know, when's the last time I contacted them? When's a good time to send out the next marketing piece to get them into this next product that I'm selling? You know, so it's really we're building this intelligence and a lot of AI behind it, so you can really define what a user or a customer is to you. You identify the best customers, detect their propensity to buy other products, and deliver those products to those customers when it's the right time for them to purchase. All right, Matthew, here's what I'd love to do. There are so many ideas that just are like sitting here talking. So I want to bring you into the fulfillment round. You may or may not known this is coming, but the fulfillment round is where you can't phone a friend. There's no lifelines. There's, I don't know, you have to make some stuff up. It's us to learn a little bit more about you. We'll talk a little bit more about connected in there as well, but it's really for us to just kind of peel back the layers of who makes you tick. So what makes you tick and how you do what you do and why you do it. So I'm going to learn maybe some food, some music, some whiskey that you like or rum, whatever. We're going to find some uh, more about you through this process. The whole thing about Be Fulfilled is about the process, right? I think so many people are trying to get to the destination and there is no there, there's here. And so in this very moment, I just want to bring you into the fulfillment round, random questions, and they're just for you and me to get to know each other a little bit better. You ready for it? Sure. All right. First place you went when you got a chance to meet the girl that you eventually married. Oh, well, you're saying the first place domestically or internationally? Doesn't matter. So the Where first place we... What did you guys do? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm actually on my second marriage. I'm happy to say my 15-year-old daughter, who I mentioned earlier, I just ended up adopting her. So just to bring this full circle, I actually met Katie at a school reunion, a grade school reunion. Catholic schools tend to do that stuff. So we, we are devout Catholics, right? So I met her at a school reunion. The first place that we went was a, well, we went to an Italian dinner and then obviously with a last name like Martirano, you have to go to an Italian place. And then we went to a haunted house. And the haunted house was really cool, Tony, because when we got there, there weren't a lot of people because it was like a Thursday night or something like that. And so I gave the guy at the door 20 bucks. I said, her name is Katie. So every single position we went to in the haunted house were like, Katie, Katie, help me, Katie. It was awesome. She was terrified. <laughs> I love it. What sport did you play growing up that you were just super passionate about? I absolutely love baseball. But you said like it was also interesting. Your boys played hockey too, right? So did you ever try yeah. uh, skating? Was that anything for you? I played a lot of pond hockey growing up. Like I said, my dad was a serial entrepreneur with a lot of failures at the beginning. So we didn't have a lot of money. I was a kid running around in Kmart shoes while everyone was running around in Nikes. But, you know, baseball was a great sport to play. Hockey was a passion of mine, but I never really got to play it organized. And when my boys decided that they wanted to play, it was fantastic just watching them grow in a sport and absolutely love it. And even my oldest son, would he would bypass playing other sports in the summertime just so he could play on summer league hockey. It was fantastic. If you and your wife are home on a Friday night and you know, like, oh, I'm not, I don't want to go out tonight, who would find themselves in the kitchen cooking? Your wife or you? Neither. We would Uber Eats or <laughs> order a pizza. <laughs> so uh, what type of pizza do you find yourself enjoying more? So I know that we've got options, right? We got yes. some good stuff from Italy. We find ourselves in New York. We got some Chicago deep dish. What do you kind of find is your go-to? Well, I love the Chicago deep dish and there's nothing wrong with New York pizza, but in Chicago, what people don't, they don't realize is we're actually known for our super thin crust pizza. Like it's like a, mm -hmm. a wafer and it's crispy and it's just, it's perfect. So, you know, I particularly like the thin crust pizza. All right. Pepperoni. Somebody gets to go out with you at night and they say, what are you having to drink? What's your go-to? Oh, I would say a Maker's Mark 46 old fashioned. All right. What's on your kind of to-do list for this year for family? Like some stuff that you got on the horizon that you're looking forward to that when this episode comes out, they're going to be like, wow, like you did all that stuff. It's so cool. 
Like what are some things on the horizon for you? On the personal side or on the business side? Both. Well, on the personal side, we have a big conference in Europe in Barcelona this year. And before the Barcelona trip, since it dovetails nicely into it, I'm taking the entire family on a little European vacation from Amsterdam to Frankfurt to Munich to Zurich to Geneva and then down to Barcelona. I like it. You love going to work every single day? Like, do you ever get up in the morning and you're like, man, I just want to stay home today. I don't want to do anything. Oh, hell no, man. I like coming in on Saturdays and Sundays too. I'm the guy that's at the office at 8 a.m. and I don't leave until nine o'clock at night. Do you ever find yourself going out and hitting golf balls? Is that something for you? Is, that, is there any oh, yeah, love in abso- there? Absolutely. My wife called me today, said, can you leave work a little early? You want to go play nine holes? Yeah, I absolutely love going out and playing golf and whooping everyone's ass on the golf course. Now, since we're speaking about golf, Tony, if you want to know a little bit about me, I only play in flip-flops. So when I show up, people are like, what the hell is this? And then, and I'm a six handicap. So I end up whipping their butts and they're like, oh my God, this guy can play. <laughs> oh my gosh. I am literally thinking to myself, so that'd be like me going to the bowling alley in socks, right? Like I'm going to yeah. show up and golf in socks. <laughs> it's not something that you normally think would happen. How did that get created? Like one day you just didn't have golf shoes or you just said, I'm going as I am and screw it. We'll see if we can do it. So I started having a problem with my swing where I I was really, really drawing the ball, like to the point where it was a hook. And I was like, what the hell's going on? So every Sunday we go to church and then after church, we'd go to the country club for brunch. So I was in flip-flops one day. I just went out there and started hitting balls. I come to realize that when you're wearing flip-flops, you can't overswing because if you do, you'll come out of your shoes. And so by doing that, you know, it's like, even though I'm not hitting the ball, you know, 310, I'm 280, 290 down the middle of the fairway. Well, I mean, you're strong enough. I can definitely tell that. But that's so amazing because you've got to be the first person that I've ever known to go to the golf course and use flip-flops. Do people give you crap for it? Because you said that you oh show my God. up in flip-flops and then you beat them. and then. But like, you got to imagine that people are like, are you seriously playing on that? Do you need to change your shoes? That's got to be a common thing if they've never played golf with you before. My father-in-law invited me over to his country club in Hilton Head to play in a member guest tournament. And I show up in flip-flops and you can imagine all of these guys are just razzing me. Like, hey, you're going to play in flip-flops? You're going to play in flip-flops? Well, it turned out we ended up winning the tournament. And at the end, when they're handing out trophies and everything, the golf pro said, and for those of you that are curious, we just ordered a supply of flip-flops and we're putting them in the pro shop. (laughs) I love it. Today, prior to coming onto the show, there was a survey question that said, pick a theme or movie that best represents your journey as an entrepreneur. You selected out of the choices, Gladiator. How come you answered that way? Did I say Gladiator? You did. And it was probably a bunch of them. I mean, you probably it could, could have gone Fight Club. It could have gone Mary Poppins. I don't know. It's, I don't, it's just that you know, he was king of the hill, and then he wasn't, and he was nobody. And then from nothing, you know, almost dying, he built his reputation up one fight at a time. And at the end, he was the hero of the movie. I love that. Matt, like I think, Matthew, as we went through this journey today, there's a couple of things that showed up, a consistent thread. Like if I was to build a coat today, I think I'd have the same consistency throughout all, right? I'd be able to build something really, really strong and unique. One, you're just genuine. I love that. I've always liked that. Anytime I've ever met you, you go out of the way to say hi. Number two, you stand by your reputation and your company. You're always willing to take some insight and how to get it better. So I love that about you. And three, I think is that the relationship piece kept showing up today, 
right? And you got to build who you are as a reputation because you know what? You want it to be able to stand on and you're building a legacy for your family. You're building a business that they're carrying that name. They're being that. And you also said they got to work harder than everybody else because everybody looks at them and goes, oh, you've got the last name just like your dad. Like, oh, like, oh, you're just trying to get a handout. And I know that there's some stuff behind that that's also part of that legacy because you mentioned your dad multiple times too about what did he instill going from the Kmart sneakers where everybody had Nike. So I learned a lot today. So I just want to say thank you for coming on the show. I know everybody, when they type in connective, they spell it wrong. There's no C in connective. There's a K. So just have some fun and play there. But also know that behind it is a gentleman who's poured his heart and soul, slept literally like elbow to elbow and made sure that they are going to build something that's going to stand the test of time. And you heard from somebody who just is a giver and he wants to help have a good time. And I love the idea about the golf store bringing in flip-flops because after you come through, changes has to take place because you're always trying to make things better. So I want to say thank you for being a guest today. Well, thank you, Tony. I appreciate you doing this with me. And, you know, hopefully people will learn something from this. And if they need any help, you know, of any direction, you know, if they're struggling with their business, and that's one of the big things that we do. If, if someone's having a hard time, they're having a hard time getting merchant accounts or they can't find traffic or they just have questions on, you know, how to maintain their books or whatever it is, you know, I'm always here for everybody. It's just, I always feel like if you're willing to go out of your way and help someone, it's going to come back to you. Well, that is a very true statement and something that I've been able to see multiple times through. And that's why, you know, one of our preferred guys that we go to when somebody's looking for a CRM, it's Connective and Matt. And I just want to say thank you very much. And I hope to see you very soon. And I'm going to take you up on the gift of challenging myself to try to see if I can go play golf in flip-flops because I think that's more my speed and more my style than those stuffy-ass shoes that they try to sell you or give to you at the golf shop. So I'm going to try that next time and I'm going to see how it goes. If you see me walking around the next event with crutches, you know it didn't go well. If you see me walking around with a big (laughs) smile on my face, you know it went well. So thank you very, very much for the opportunity to have you on the show today. My name is Tony Grubmeyer. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, choose to make today the best day of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life? Take the next step now at trainersanddrivers.com and download my free mini course designed to give you more clarity and freedom in your day. It might just change your life forever.